Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Doing exceedingly well in your life. My DM's always wide open at Zone on Twitter for faith-based conversations. If not me, find somebody you trust. I hope that you do. Couldn't be more important. So hashtag Kawhi Watch is continuing. And I want to talk about it, but I do want to throw out this topic. I threw this out on Twitter at Zone this afternoon and said, I'd mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the show, maybe we would try to do this one night. I haven't taken calls in a, several days, so I thought I would open up the phone lines to do this. I'm also going to, if you missed it on Monday, you should already, if you have not, be subscribed to all the Zone podcasts, all the, obviously, 3HL, Midday 180, Wake Up Zone but you can get all that content at 1045thezone.com. Just look at the Connect tab at the top, the drop-down menu. The first one says Podcasts and On-Demand Audio. You can get everything there. Coach Doug Matthews stuff, Speedway Soccer, Step One Learn Sports, Paul Kaharski's new show elsewhere, and, of course, my Pop 6 show is there too, my Pop Culture show. And on Friday, we're going to give you an opportunity to actually hear some of those shows on the air the day after July 4th. So you'll be able to hear PK's show. You'll be able to hear Brittany and Avery's show. You'll be able to hear the Pop 6, a special edition of the Pop 6. I can tell you what it's going to be because I put it together earlier today. Well, I guess it kind of crossed over. I did it late last night into today, and it's Stranger Things. For an hour talking about that show with Season 3 set to hit Netflix tomorrow on July the 4th. No spoilers about the new year, but just talking about the phenomenon of the show, why it works talking about nostalgia in television, nostalgia in film. Had a lot of fun with that, so I hope you'll check it out on Friday. Kawhi Leonard is the story in sports, but I'm going to throw this out again. When Steve McNair and Eddie George, that news that hit a couple of weeks ago where their numbers were retired, their jerseys were retired, and the ceremony and Amy Adams Strunk doing something that, that was long overdue for those two gentlemen, I mentioned the concept of surrogate teams. And I said, that is my terminology for it's not your favorite team. Like you're a Tennessee Vols fan, right? Or you're a Vanderbilt Commodores fan or an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. Whatever it is that you consider yourself to be a fan of. Not just college either. It can be pro. But maybe there's another team out there. You don't go out and you don't buy their merch. You don't have their desktop wallpaper on your MacBook. But you kind of like to see them do well unless they're playing against your team. So a surrogate, a substitute, an other, an alternative. So who is it that you're watching when your team's not involved or just maybe you check the box score? And it's usually somebody like it's TCU in college football. I always kind of like to see TCU do well, and that was before I knew Dave McGinnis went there. And I mentioned this concept because, thanks to Steve McNair and Eddie George, even though I didn't grow up here, and I've been a Denver Broncos fan my entire life, I always kind of like to see the Titans do well, unless it was affecting Denver directly. And so I think that we all sort of have, and it's not because you need something to couch your fandom if your team is mediocre. It's just the, the idea that 
as we're watching sports, you kind of gravitate to some people just like you gravitate away from some people. Not a big fan of Urban Meyer, so and I didn't like Florida, obviously. So when he went to Ohio State, that didn't help matters for him. And certainly I wasn't cheering for Ohio State. A lot of the bigger name programs, it wasn't there. For a time, I kind of liked USC. Then it became that kind of pro factory, and then I backed away. But I would say my surrogate team was the Tennessee Titans. When Denver was not involved, I pulled for them. And sometimes it's going to be in a different conference or it's going to be, you know, in a different classification of some way. So if you have those, and there have been some that have been tweeted out to me this afternoon at Jmart Zone. Ryan Mudd is my producer behind the glass, spinning the Dials radio style tonight. 615-737-1045 is the telephone number. If you want to talk to me, if you've got a surrogate team and you're sitting in what's probably pretty bad traffic based on what I experienced on my drive-in, holiday traffic, give us a call. And we'll talk about that on and off as we're moving through topics tonight. What is your surrogate team? What's the other team in the sport? Maybe not your favorite, but the other one that you kind of keep in, in the back of your head and you like to see do well. For me, it would be the Tennessee Titans without Denver. And I don't know how much it's true now because once you kind of move into a media market, you back away from that kind of thing. I have seen my fandom as a whole start to dwindle for most teams that I like because, I don't know, There's it's not like you feel dirty doing it. It's just you're so close to all of these athletes and all of these teams and all of these stories that it sort of just melts together and you start watching for players and performances. The NBA is a prime example. The NBA is a player league. I finally just realized I just like watching a whole lot of NBA players. I love the sport. I love the game. I love the drama. I love what happens off the floor. Kind of stuff that we're seeing right now with Kawhi Leonard and the craziness with well over $1.7 billion in contracts signed in the first 12 hours of free agency. So my fandom maybe has dropped, but I still kind of like to see the Titans do well, at least to some extent. 615-737-1045. When your team is not playing, when they're not involved, what's another team that you kind of watch, you're interested in, and makes you happy when they're doing well? Let's go to Chris in Nashville. He's up first tonight. Chris, what's up? Hey, bud. So I have two. Um, my football, I'm a Titans fan, but uh, I root for the Seahawks uh, because I was stationed out there and they treat the soldiers so great. Uh, that's my first one. My hmm. second one is not really a team per se, but Barry Trotz, because of his impact on my family when he was here, wherever he goes, I will cheer for that team to do well as long as it does not affect my predators. Um, so I just really thought that that was something special, really following the coach, not really the team that he's on, but because of the kind of guy that Barry Trotz was or is, um, yeah. I root for his team that he's on. Yeah, Chris, I appreciate it. You know what? I think you make a good point there. And there's a classification and sort of why is that your surrogate team? And in that case, it was Barry Trotz, ties to Nashville, things that meant something to you personally. Is it just a coach that you like? Like, it's kind of hard. Like It's really hard for me to pull against Clemson at this point because I love Dabo Swinney so much. I can't pull for Clemson. I'm not a Clemson fan, but I'm not upset when Dabo Swinney does well. It's a tough spot to be in. So what's your surrogate team? 615-737-1045. When your team's not involved, or what's your other team? What's the other one that you kind of keep a close eye on 
for the right reasons. Jay and Franklin joins us next here tonight. Jay, how are you? Jay, you with us? Hey, buddy. Hey, yes. So I was listening along, and uh, this kind of ties in what I've been doing the last couple of years. Uh, get, get get involved a little bit into sports betting, and I pick a, a team that's uh, that's not my favorite team, like college football, NFL, and I place a, a small wager on the over under win total on the team. Okay, so it gives me it gives me kind kind of some. Uh, financial value in following a team but also i get to get to learn about a different team get to get to follow them game in game out and i've got a definitely because i've got some money on it i've got a vested interest in how how the team's doing whether they go over or under their win total so it's really been been cool throughout the last three years i've been doing it so you change teams though it's not somebody that you're following like for a fan reason, you've just found another way. And I think fantasy has made us care about a lot of teams that maybe we otherwise would not have. So what are so, give me a couple of examples over the past couple of years of teams that you've followed because of this reason. Yeah, so uh, this past year, um, I, I placed a small wager, wager on the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. have really never followed them. I heard you know they were going for like national champ- championships early early season i picked the over they kind of hurt hurt me um they did not go over but it was fun just kind of seeing them they were a good good team i had never even followed the hus the huskies ever in my life but it was just kind of fun to, to watch them yeah sure all right i appreciate the phone call jay enjoy your fourth 615-737-1045 what's your surrogate team what's the other team not Look, you might be wearing Vols merchandise right now, but what other team in college football do you just kind of keep a close eye on, not because they're a rival, but because you sort of like to see them do well, even though you might not say, I'm a fan. Like, you can only really be a fan of one team generally, but who else maybe you would consider yourself an enthusiast for? Brandon in Lebanon's up next. Brandon, what's up? Yeah, so my team is the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Okay. And and then my third team is the Tennessee Titans. I was born and raised in Tennessee in the Nashville area, but the Titans were never around as I was in Houston. So I can speak for most of my buddies and stuff from uh, school. Um, Cowboys is my team. I still stick with to this day. And then when they play the Titans, I still root for the Cowboys or the Titans. And the Titans is some team when they finally came in, I started kind of rooting them for a second. So, but I have an NFC, AFC team. All right. I like that. That makes sense. And and look, I grew up in an area that did not have, you know, I grew up in Virginia and North Carolina. There were no, you know, there wasn't an NFL team. There wasn't an NBA team. There was no Hornets at, at first. They came around a little bit later on. I had already sort of gravitated towards the team. But then you start to follow that team. And since I've lived in Nashville, for example, the Predators, I wonder how many hockey fans have switched allegiances because of the Predators even though maybe they were whatever, I don't know, Devils or Islanders or Canadians or Canucks or whoever it might be, then Nashville gets here, you get caught up in the fervor. It's hard not to, and that's a credit to everybody, Sean Henry and that entire staff. Alan, in Nashville's up next. Alan, how are you? I'm good. What you got for me? Uh, listen, i got to tell you, you've become my favorite talk show host, and this is my favorite show. I look forward to 6 o'clock every day. Alan, uh, man, I thank I'm you for that. Guy. It means a lot. I'm a UT graduate, so of course I bleed orange. But my second favorite team, believe it or not, because I'm from Nashville, is Vanderbilt Commodores. 
Mm. My third, for some reason, is UCLA. I, I love Wooden growing up. And my third and fourth teams, uh, I'm sorry, my fourth and fifth teams are anyone that's playing Alabama and anyone that's playing Ohio State. <laughs> well, that's fair. Now, the Vandy-Tennessee thing is, that is intriguing. I would be very curious to see what both Commodores and Vols fans have to say. And I appreciate the call, and I appreciate those kind words as well. They mean more than you know. I never take for granted anybody that appreciates what I do. I appreciate the fact that you would give me five seconds of your time, whether or not it's reading me or listening to me or whatever it might be. The only reason I have the opportunities that I have, certainly because they were blessed to me first and foremost but by my Lord and Savior, but also because I have an audience, and there are people that are intrigued by whatever content I have for him. Let's take one more call on this segment. 615-737-1045 is the telephone number. I'm asking tonight what your surrogate team is. When your team's not involved in that sport, what's the other team you're paying attention to? Maybe not the one you got merch for. Maybe not the one that you you know consider yourself riding with. But what's another team that doesn't bother you when you see them succeed? Jason in Nashville, last up here in this segment. Jason, what's up, man? Hey, man, thanks for taking my call. Before I get into my surrogate team, man, I, I just really got to give glory to God, man, that, that you are on this program, man, because every time I hear you speak, you're giving God his acknowledgement. And I know that this is a sports talk show, but you use your platform, you know, to put your faith out there, man. And I'm I'm really grateful to hear that, man, because you, you don't know how much that affects everybody, you know, who hears it, because... Bible says faith comes by hearing, and and the way you speak and the life that you speak into people every day, it really helps, and it helps me, man. So I, I'm I'm just wanting to say thank you for doing that alone. Well, you're welcome. Um, you're you're welcome, man. That that means a lot. It really does. I'm glad that I'm glad that it hits you, and I'm glad that anybody out there that that hears that message. Uh, that's far more important to me than anything else I could say about sports or pop culture or anything else. So you're very kind to say that. Right. And um, I wanted to just say, um, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, kind of like the other guy said he did. We didn't have a team here. So when I was growing up and I started paying attention to football, it was either Dallas or the Niners. Those mm-hmm. were the rivals. And so I chose to be a Niners fan, and I stuck with them throughout the years. So it's just hard to switch, you know, teams when you've been, you know, dedicated to this team for so long. But then it's kind of hard not to want to see the Titans do good, you know, especially through those hard years with McNair and, you know, getting so close. And when you live somewhere, that's all the sports talk radio talks about. I want to push for them when they're not, like you said, affecting your own team that you like. So I guess my surrogate team would be the Titans and my favorite team is the Niners. All right. I appreciate you, Jason. I really do. I hope you have a safe and happy fourth and blessed fourth as well. 615-737-1045. I'll keep taking your calls. I'm also going to talk some Kawhi here. There's no new news, but there's some craziness, at least surrounding this story and some things that we can get into and deep dive into a little bit when we come back. Let me ask you one other question as we go to break about the surrogate team thing or maybe the allegiance thing. If your significant other is a fan of a school that you should be a rival of and you change your allegiance, is that a weak move? Or is that acceptable if you love her enough or if you're a woman and you love him enough or whatever it might be, if you switch your allegiance because you just kind of get sucked right on in to because of that relationship, is that an okay thing? But what's your alternative team? When your team's not involved, what's the team you like to see do well? We'll keep talking about this and we'll talk some Kawhi. 
Coming up, Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Stick around final segment if you missed it on Monday. Had a really good chat with Phil Steele, the 25th anniversary of the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine. I think it came out last week. That's when I picked up my copy. We talked all about college football, so we'll replay that for you in the final segment. think that'll be a treat if you missed it. I saw the story. I, I don't know what to say about these things. I didn't talk about the Angels situation, and, and Jared Lorenzen passed away at age 38, had various health issues that had hospitalized him several days ago. The hefty lefty, as he was affectionately known, quarterback at Kentucky, played for the New York Giants, battled weight issues his whole career, had that nickname that he embraced, the Pillsbury throw boy. Just sort of reading what people have had to say about him who knew him better. I, see, I didn't. I never spoke to him. I never interviewed him before. So I, I can't sit here and really talk about it other than it's sad. When you read that somebody's passed away at 38, that's sad. But you read about how genuine he was and what a nice guy he was, what a just a great person in the state of Kentucky that he was, and the way he lived his life. You know, like I said, I'm getting quiet because I don't know exactly what to say. I'm saddened by this just like everybody else is. So if you missed that news, Jared Lorenzen passed away at the age of 38. The question that I asked off the start was who your surrogate team is, meaning who's the team that you kind of like to see do well, even though they're not your team. Surrogate, meaning substitute, alternative, someone else, um, replacement. So I don't know what it would be for you. I was trying to think about baseball. For a time, at least, I mean, I've been an Atlanta Braves fan my whole life, but I always like to see Joe Madden's Tampa Bay Rays do well. Now, when he went to the Cubs, it kind of wasn't that way. But Tampa Bay in the other conference or in the other league, and you had the Yankees and the Red Sox and their arms race, and then you had the Rays. And so I kind of watched them. And so me, I don't know who it is for you. I don't know what whether it's a pro team or a franchise or a college what it might be, and your rationale for such a thing. Let's go to Spencer in the borough, who nicely, patiently waited during the break. Spencer, how are you? Hey, good, Jason. How are you? Good, man. Good. Hey, uh, just want to piggyback off what someone else said earlier. Six o'clock, my absolute favorite time. Run out to the car, leave work, just listen to you every night. I, I, that, I don't even know what to say. Like I said, I'm humbled every time anybody says that, man. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for a four-hour show for you. I, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> Uh, you never know what uh, what the Lord's going to have in store for me. All I can all I can control is the opportunities He places in front of me, and I try to take advantage of those. Absolutely. All right. So I'm a Michigan Wolverines fan. Have been my both my parents are from up there. You know, since birth. And uh, my surrogate team, I kind of got married into uh, the Volunteers. Uh, my wife went there, and so I, I married into them. It's a lot easier to watch Volunteer games. And, you know, Murfreesboro than it is Michigan game. So, you know, I'll cheer for them. But obviously, if it comes down to it, uh, it's, it's a Michigan it's a Michigan team win for me. So what's your take on the idea that a significant other can change your fandom? Do you think that's a weak move, or do you think that that happens more often than people want to admit? Oh, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Nobody's going to admit it. You don't, you don't like to admit it. That's why I'm admitting it to you, because nobody knows who I am on the phone. <laughs> right. So, uh, but, yeah, you know, um, 
it happened. You know, it's not worth the argument to to try to fight it. Obviously, if they ever play together, uh, we won't be in the same room. So, yeah, but that doesn't happen that often. So, no, Michigan, Tennessee doesn't happen very often. I'd love to see it, but how do you feel about the idea that somebody can be a Tennessee fan but also kind of likes Vandy to do well? Um, I'm okay with it because they're kind of on two different levels. Obviously, they're both SEC teams, but you know, for me. For me, I'll take Vandy over Tennessee just because I'm, you know, I was born and raised in the Nashville area. So, um, my good thing my wife doesn't listen, so she wouldn't be too happy with me saying that. But yeah. you know, when it, when it came down to the uh, College World Series, Vanderbilt all day. You know, I, mean, I, I don't I don't follow them that closely, but when I see they're doing good, you know, I'll uh, it's a hometown team, so you can't not cheer for them. Yeah, no, I get that. So. Makes sense, buddy. Have a good fourth. All right. Hey, thanks you too. Thanks, buddy. That's Spencer. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask him if it was all right to also be an Ohio State fan if you're a Michigan fan, but I know the answer to that question. JT might actually turn his car around and come flying back and just I don't know, just you've seen those security camera videos of people trying to rob banks and convenience stores by crashing their cars through the front gates. I can see JT doing that just to get to me to answer that question because a phone call wouldn't be enough or an angry text message. Ohio State fan, I don't think you can also be a Michigan fan. But the surrogate team thing is interesting, and I like that Spencer said that it happens a lot, that you know, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a husband, a wife, their allegiance, their fan allegiance can trump yours, especially if they already have like pillows and things like that, and then you end up marrying that person, and then you inherit, I don't know, Tennessee Vols pillows or stuffed Smokies that you see in like the living room. It all just affects you. For me, it's tough. This Tennessee thing is really tough for me on a couple of different fronts. My girlfriend's a diehard Vols fan, like nobody's business. And then I've been hosting the Tennessee tailgate show here on 104.5 The Zone for a couple of years now, filled in for Jonathan Hutton and then took over the program last year along with Joey Kent. And Joey Kent's like the nicest dude in the world. And every time I see him, he's wearing orange and white checkerboard shorts and that Tennessee polo. And so, I mean, I don't hate Joey Kent. So all of a sudden, Tennessee's not nearly as evil as maybe it was a handful of years ago. I don't think that I've gotten sucked into full Vol fandom, but I fear for my future. Brian and Brentwood joins us up next here on the Big Six. Brian, how are you? Hey, buddy. Good. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, really sir. appreciate your show. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. I think it's pretty funny that last caller said he's a Michigan fan, but yet his, support, his uh, subordinate team is Tennessee, yet he cheers for Vanderbilt, who played Michigan in the College World Series. I think that's absolutely hilarious. I don't know, but he's, I think he's confused about what his... You know what? I didn't is. even think about that. This is why... See, I don't take... I, there are days I don't take calls, but usually when I do, I feel good about it because I like the people that call this show. I didn't even think about that. I did not put those two things together. And, Brian, you have made me smarter. I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem, man. And uh, I'm a Go Vols fan, but I went to LSU graduate school, so I'll cheer for the LSU as my secondary team. But if they're playing, Go Vols all the way. Thanks for, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no problem, Brian. Let's get one more in here before this break. Gary and Dixon's up next. Gary, what's up, man? Hey, guys. How are y'all? Night up. Appreciate the subject you deal with. My uh, my true blue team for most of my life has been the Kentucky Wildcats, and uh, my surrogate team is LSU Tigers mm. because uh, back in the day, let's go back maybe 30 years, 
Kentucky and uh, LSU basketball had some of the best college basketball games in history. Uh, they they had a rivalry that was unreal, and uh, that sort of died down a little bit. You know, with Dale Brown and uh, right uh, against Patino and all that, there was a lot going on. So that's why I got LSU as my surrogate team. So you're a basketball fan. You're a Kentucky fan. Are you Kentucky sports all the way across, or are you just like more of a Kentucky oh, no, hoops fan? Uh, yeah, all the way. I, okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really uh, uh, piped up and jumped up and jacked up on their football program right now because it's starting to look uh, for real. But, you know, I mean, LSU was really good this year in basketball. I mean, they had their troubles with Will Wade and uh, Smart and all of that. But how did you handle that? being a Kentucky fan and then being in the mix with PJ and Tyler hero and that crew, and then looking at your surrogate team. That's really good. Both in the same conference, both competing for the sec and both potentially national championship contenders. Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, I, they're still my surrogate team because let's say if uh, Kentucky wasn't even a program period, you never heard of Kentucky. Yeah. I, I would like to be a LSU fan okay. because of, because of Baton Rouge, because of football on Baton Rouge at Saturday night. Yeah, no, that makes that makes all sense of the world. I appreciate that, Gary. And that's a really good way to look at it as well. If your team didn't exist, what would be your favorite team? That might even be an easier way to – I might be using too many words. I, that could have actually simplified it. Gary may have made me not just smarter but much smarter, reminding me about Michigan and Vanderbilt just finishing the College World Series based on that last call and then maybe simplifying my def definition of surrogate team. In whatever sport it is, if your team, your favorite team did not exist, who would you be a fan of? That is a great way to put it. We'll be right back here on the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. This will be a quick segment here is I want you to be able to hear the full Phil Steele interview if you missed that from Monday. A reminder, tomorrow and Friday, I'll be hosting OutKick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. You'll hear it right here on The Zone, along with my buddy Jeff Schwartz. And then, of course, the Jason Martin Show on Sunday mornings. And now, we've changed it up. It's still 2 to 5 here in the Central Time Zone, and you used to be able to only hear the first two hours live. And you, that's still the case, but we actually will now play the third hour for you, an hour delayed, and you can actually listen to that as well on Sunday mornings as you're waking up before church, right before, as a matter of fact, Squared Circle Radio. So you get, out of that five-hour span, you get four hours of me, which might be three hours and 45 minutes too much, honestly. 15 might be about all that you need. But Kawhi Watch continues. I assume... By the end of the holiday tomorrow, we know the answer to this question. If I had to predict it right now, and this dude's about as unpredictable as it gets, it sounds like it's going to be Toronto on a two-year deal. That's what Jalen Rose said. He's 99% sure based on who he's talking to. I did not think that today was going to be a day I was saying, I hope Jalen Rose is right, but I hope Jalen Rose is right. And the weird thing about Kawhi Leonard, I just want you to think about this here in this last minute and a half before we have to go to this break, about how we don't know people. Kawhi Leonard, because he's quiet, we just assume things about him. When he was in San Antonio and he was quiet, oh, he's just a classy superstar. 
then when he left and all the stuff happened in San Antonio, then it was, oh, we don't really know this guy at all. Then he goes to Toronto, and we still don't really know. Maybe he's going to go to L.A. Sources are saying everything. Maybe he's going to be a Clipper. Maybe he's going to be a Laker. He's not going to the Knicks. It's either Clippers, Lakers, Raptors. I am starting to believe he's going to Toronto. He's going to stay in Toronto that he wouldn't have flown back. I think that's when you just send a text message to Masai Ujiri and say, I'm out. I'm staying down here. But we don't know anything. But I will say something else about Kawhi Leonard. We also assume that he doesn't want the spotlight. Boy, if you don't want the spotlight, you're the only guy left. The whole sports world is centered around this one decision that holds the balance of an entire league basically in its hands. Kawhi Leonard, who likes to recede into the background, we think, has to be quietly enjoying this. Why else would he be belaboring this decision? He's got people following his airplanes, people following him to meetings and hotels in Toronto, all of this kind of stuff. He could shut it down by making a decision, yet he has not. Maybe we don't know this dude at all. Phil Steele, college football. If you missed it on Monday, that interview coming up next. I will see you tomorrow morning on Outkick the Coverage, 5 a.m. See you then. Final segment on this Wednesday in the Music City. Gold Cup is tonight at Nissan Stadium. Go Team USA. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Hope you enjoy your holiday. I'll be on, well, you'll hear me right here on The Zone tomorrow. I'm in for Clay Travis along with Jeff Schwartz on Outkick the Coverage, Fox Sports Radio the next two mornings, actually, Thursday and Friday. You'll be able to hear me there, plus my shows this weekend, the Jason Martin Show on Sunday morning on FSR and Squared Circle Radio. Monday, I talked to Phil Steele, who you should know because – a lot of people try to figure out when summer begins. For me, it begins when Phil Steele's college football preview magazine hits shelves. 352 pages. It's the 25th anniversary of that fine magazine. Phil, congratulations, my friend. Hey, thank you very much, Jason. Hard to believe it's been 25 years, and that first magazine was black and white on newsprint, about 188 pages, and now we're up to 352 pages, full color. And the beautiful thing is, we give the same amount of coverage to a team like Middle Tennessee State that we do to Alabama and Oklahoma. Two full pages and all the information, same spot on every page. But, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been 25 years. Good thing I started with the age of 10. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Well well done. Nice, Nicely played off the top here. So, Middle Tennessee, maybe we'll talk about them. I, I do think that the Vols fans here want to know, and I want to ask you larger questions about the SEC and some other contenders, but I want to start in a volunteer state. It's year two for Jeremy Pruitt, a new offensive coordinator, Still some holes that need to be filled. And I saw your most improved list. And then I saw where Tennessee, where you have them slotted in the East. And I kind of agree because it appears to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that the SEC East is all getting better. They're all starting to rise or they're trying to. So what do you believe is true for the University of Tennessee entering this season? How do you assess where they stand and the obstacles that Pruitt's going to have to deal with this year? Well, the good news is if you make my most improved list, I'm predicting a bowl game. But, of course, Tennessee wasn't far from a bowl last year at 5-7, and seven, uh, a couple of close losses during the course of the year. But, you know, when I look at this year's Tennessee, I see an upgrade in talent the last two years. And I know uh, that they had brought in decent recruiting classes, but I don't think they were quite the same recruiting classes that Pruitt's been bringing in. Uh, I like the offense with Garantano at QB, especially if he can stay upright. 
let's face it, last year's defense or last year's offensive line was not stellar. Mm. But I, I like the upgrade with Darnell Wright and uh, Wayne Morris, the uh, PS number one and number four offensive lineman coming in. I think those two could be your starting tackles for a good three or four years, if you catch my drift on that. Uh, they're that good. And when I look at the offensive line, I think it will be improved. There's playmakers at receiver and Jennings and Callaway and uh, Dominic Wood Anderson's going to be one of the better tight ends in the country. You know, uh, Pruitt prefers bigger physical blockers at tight end, and he's got one. And then you look at the running backs with Chandler, Gray, and Jordan. Biggest question mark I have on the team is actually the defensive line. Not overly talented, but a lot of hard-charging guys. And I like Aubrey Solomon, Daryl Taylor up front. Uh, then you look at a linebacking core, good. And the secondary, probably the strength of the defense. In fact, I read them the uh, uh, well, I read the number 52, the linebackers are the strength of the defense. DBs are solid. But then the special teams, I rate number 10 in the country. Now you look at the schedule this year. You know, big game early on, BYU. I think that's going to be a key indicator. BYU is a real good team at home, but I think Tennessee gets that. The Florida game will be uh, an interesting one, but I've got Tennessee favored in coming into the season seven games, uh, so there's a the potential of a seven, eight, and maybe even a nine-win season if things go their way. Over-under in Vegas right now is seven. I'm leaning with the over. I think that's going to give some people some hope out there. This studio, Phil, is a couple of miles away from Vanderbilt, so we'll ask about them as well. I don't think, and I think most Vanderbilt fans would say they did not get as much out of Kyle Shermer as you would have hoped. That caliber of quarterback doesn't end up at that school all that often. You've got Derek Mason still there. You've got Keyshawn Vaughn. You do have some talent there. But how do you feel about the Commodores? What do you think is a reasonable expectation for them this year? Well, I'm going to let Vanderbilt fans know right off the top that I did not expect Vanderbilt to get to a bowl game last year. So Derek Mason proved me wrong last year, getting them to a bowl, and, of course, beating Tennessee for a fourth straight year. Uh, I did not call for that either. And, you know, when I look at the Vanderbilt this year, the big three really jump out at me. I'm talking about Keyshawn Vaughn at running back, uh, Elijah Lipscomb at wide receiver, and Jared Pinckney at tight end. These three are all NFL-caliber dudes that are at the skill positions on the offense. Now, who's going to get them the ball? I think eventually Ball State's transfer quarterback, Riley Neal, get, Riley, Riley gets them there. Neal didn't have the type of year I expected last season, but – the Ball State was a better team with him than they were without him throughout his career there, and this is the best talent he's had to work with. He's 6'5", 218. I think he's got the talent to operate. So my question marks would be the offensive line, just two starters are back, and then the overall defense. Six of the top seven tacklers are gone from last year, or five of the top seven tacklers. And Vanderbilt goes from number 58 on my experience chart, which was middle of the road, all the way down to number 108 on my uh, experience chart. And they play the 16th toughest schedule in the country. So those are probably the two numbers I don't like most about Vanderbilt, the overall experience number, and then that schedule number is difficult. When you look at the SEC as a whole, who do you say, watch out for that team, and who do you think might take a step back from what we've seen maybe over the past couple of seasons? You know, the team I think is going to surprise a lot of folks this year, and it's not necessarily because of the overall talent, is the Missouri Tigers. Uh, when I look at Missouri, I see a team that was good last year. Uh, they lose Drew Locke, and they were only 8-5 and five last year. So, But when I look at Missouri this year, I like Kelly Bryant coming in at QB, Larry Roundtree a running back, the offensive line's talented, and the defense is good. The defense is not great, but the defense is good. Talent-wise, I rank them about number 25 in the country. But look at the schedule for Missouri this year. Wyoming, West Virginia, Southeast Missouri, South Carolina at home, They'll be favored in all four of those games. Troy at home, favored. Mississippi, favored. 
At Vanderbilt, that game's probably a toss-up. At Kentucky, that game's a toss-up. This is a team that could have six, seven, or eight wins when they travel to face Georgia on November 9th because of the schedule. And if you watch Missouri and Georgia last year, I thought Missouri played Georgia even at the line of scrimmage. They gave up a kick return or a punt return touchdown, fumble return touchdown, something like that. Uh, Missouri actually had a 26-18 first down edge in that game, but ended up losing by 14. So I think if you're looking for a real surprise, team that could come out of nowhere, I would go with the Missouri Tigers, and it's because of their schedule, which I rate number 41 in the country. Then a step back this year, you have to think Mississippi State, with all the talent they lost off that defensive line, and the fact that last year's Mississippi State team was such a good team, uh, ranked for the majority of the year. They weren't ranked after the bowl loss, but only four starters back on D. I still think Mississippi State's good. I just think if you're looking for a team that was ranked most of the year to one that's going to be middle of the road, I'm looking at Mississippi State. Just because you mentioned that, we've got Phil Steele here on the Big Six. Follow him on Twitter if you're not, please, at PhilSteele042. But because you mentioned Mississippi State, the Titans in the first round took Jeffrey Simmons. With all the tape that you watched and all the preparation, I'm sure you got a good look at Jeffrey Simmons. How good a football player did the Titans get, presuming he comes back from the injury strong? Oh, I tell you what, everybody I talked to all season long uh, just talked about Simmons and Sweat. And Simmons was such so dominating on the inside. You know, he didn't put up the overall sack totals, but, I mean, look at the TFL, look at the quarterback hurries, the quarterback pressures, and just the amount of space he took up on the inside. A dominating defensive tackle, and, you know, it's the defensive ends that get all the press because of the sacks. But I think uh, when I talk to most folks, even though Sweat was up there with his 11.5 sacks, uh, most of them were saying that Simmons was probably the top defensive lineman there. Your college football playoff, you've got Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan. Those are the four teams. Which one of those four teams are you most confident in? Which one of those four teams are you least confident in as you make those predictions? I am going to go most confident with Clemson, and the reason why is Clemson's got the offense. You know, their defense lost all those guys. I still rank their defensive line number five in the country. But look at that schedule. When I look at Clemson's schedule this year, they're going to be a 17-plus favorite in every single one of their games. Probably the closest game spread-wise is Texas A&M. And they're already an 18-point favorite in that game. So Clemson will go on the field basically a three-touchdown favorite in every game. I'm very confident that they run the table, finish, start the season number one, finish the regular season number one, and make the playoff. And then a little bit of a surprise here. I think the top three teams in the country are Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. But I sort of was torn putting Georgia in because somebody's got to lose that SEC title game. And for Georgia to get in, they probably have to run the table during the regular season. I think there's a good possibility this year's Georgia team is better than last year's Georgia team. And I'm on the Joe Moore Award Committee, which, by the way, I'm very honored. I'm the only non-offensive lineman or offensive line coach that's on that committee, so extremely honored to be on it. Georgia was one of our three finalists last year, and their offensive line could be even better this year. They've got Jake Fromm at QB. They've got an improved defense. But Georgia would have to run the table, and they do have to play at Auburn this year in Jordan-Hare Stadium. They have to play Florida and Jacksonville. And, you know, they play Notre Dame at home. So there's a couple tough games on there where if they slip up once and lose the SEC title game, they won't get in. But do keep in mind, they led last year's SEC title game 28 to 14 in the second half for crying out loud. So this is a dangerous Georgia team. And to be honest with you, the last two weeks of the magazine, uh, they kept coming in going, we need the national cover, Phil. Who are the four teams? And I couldn't give them Georgia or Oklahoma. Oklahoma or Georgia. One day it was Oklahoma, one day it was Georgia. So that's why I go with Georgia.
Heisman. How fun is Tua versus Trevor going to be to watch all season? And who is it that stands to benefit in your mind if those two falter? Who else do you think has a real legit shot at this thing? Yeah, first of all, it is going to be fun. And there's going to be the two highest scoring offenses in the country because they both have top five offensive lines. They both have my number one and number two set of receivers and two of the best quarterbacks are Clemson and Bama. Trevor versus Tua. For the record, I went with Trevor winning it mm-hmm. uh, for the fact that uh, Clemson should blow everybody out all season and love the way he dissected Alabama. But here's some other players to watch. Uh, number one, last year, uh, Jason, when I was doing my uh, radio show circuit, I confidently said, you know, I like Kyler Murray, but let's face it, he can't match Baker Mayfield's stats from last year. That's impossible. The guy won the Heisman, and guess what? He topped his stats. Yeah. So I'm not going to say Jalen Hurts can't top those stats. You know, Coach Riley, I told him he made me a liar last year, and he is basically the quarterback whisperer. And Jalen Hurts has only lost two games in his career as starting QB. Plus, I like the way Hurts threw the ball last year. It was his best passing year at Alabama. So you have to put him in the mix. Sam Ellinger of Texas, if he's a true leader, and if he gets him there, look out. Justin Herbert, probably the first quarterback taken in the draft in Oregon, is much improved this year. And then Shea Patterson of Michigan. You know, Josh Gannis comes over from Alabama as the offensive coordinator, taking over there, and Gannis moving him to the spread offense. That's a perfect fit for Shea Patterson. So those would be your likely candidates, as well as that guy that had the quietest 2,000-yard season of any running back. I remember in college football history, Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. I will ask you about Middle Tennessee real quick because it's not often that you have someone on a national basis that pays attention to the school out in Murfreesboro. So how do you feel about the Blue Raiders this season? And I'm a, I'm a Western Kentucky alum, so I can't stand them. So if you want to say that they're not going to win any games, you're going to win a friend in me. Well, I tell you what, I talk to, I've been talking to Coach Stock still probably all 14 years he's been there, so I'm very familiar with Middle. And uh, the big thing this year is who the heck is going to replace Brent Stockstill? Right. Because you know over the last four years – or five years, however long he was there. Whenever Stockstill was out, Middle Tennessee was a completely different football team. And when Stockstill was in there, they were great. So you have to think Stockstill being out is going to be a big drop-off. I projected Randall Johnson to win the job, but he's got weapons to work with. I like Shaytan Mobley, a running back, Ty Lee, a receiver. Uh, the offensive line has got uh, two starters back this year, but Gilchrist is a guy who I think is going to step in and do well as a, a transfer there. And then defensively, they figure to be better than this year, but better than last year. But when you look at their schedule, I have an underdog at Michigan, uh, Duke at home, an underdog at Iowa, an underdog. The Marshall game, probably a toss-up type of game. The FIU game, probably a toss-up game. I think they're going to be an underdog in seven games this year. Now that doesn't mean they lose seven, because Stock still always gets his upsets. But to me, the key is going to be quarterback play, and can they be better than what they have been the last couple years when Stock still's been out? Last question, about 45 seconds left. You've talked about how Clemson's got the easiest road, and they do. There's no question about that. But you don't have them winning the national championship game. What's the difference for Alabama this year to get them past the fight in Dabos? Three factors. I rate the offenses even. Remember last year Clemson had that defensive line, and Alabama had just three returning starters on D? Mm-hmm. Bama's got six returning starters on D, and Clemson lost that defensive line. So I'm giving a slight edge defensively to Bama. Special teams edge to Alabama. And then the biggest edge to me, remember entering the playoff last year, hey, is Alabama the greatest team of all time? Yeah. I think the players bought into that. This year they got some 44-16 to 16 chips sitting on their shoulder. Uh, I think that's going to be enough to get them over it. That's why I think Bama wins in the playoff. Phil, you're the best, man. I love your magazine. Like I said, I think summer begins once this thing hits the newsstands. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, 
lot of fun, Jason. Always great talking football with you, my friend. That was my conversation with Phil Steele from Monday. Good reason to subscribe to the Big Six with Jason Martin podcast. If you haven't done that already, speaking of podcasts, Friday, something cool. We're going to let you hear some of the podcast material, some of the new shows, Step One Learn Sports and Paul Kaharski elsewhere. And you're going to hear some some interesting stuff the day after July 4th. And there's a special edition of my pop culture show, The Pop Six, which will debut Friday right here on the air. And it's all about Stranger Things, which, of course, hits Netflix tomorrow. So certainly hope you check that out. Enjoy the 4th. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning on Fox Sports Radio. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.